Ho, 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 ladies and gentlemen. It's America's favorite loser, Lonely Bob. And welcome to this episode of People Suck, an introvert's guide to life. What do we know? What has happened since our last episode? Let me, let me fill you in. All right, I work for a certain company that works with the government. And we've been collaborating on a new project, so... You know, whenever a new project goes live, a lot of big wigs from every company involved basically wants to make themselves feel big, feel bad. So they all show up where otherwise they wouldn't condescend to ever introduce themselves or, or show up at your area because, I mean, you're just a field op, right? So everybody shows up, <clears throat> people that you deal with on a regular basis, but usually only by phone. Well, you tend to get along with people over the phone sometimes, especially if you never meet them in person. But one guy in particular shows up, comes out to my office. As soon as he walks in and sees me, and we've, I wouldn't say we've been friendly for the last eight months over the phone, but we've been, you know, kind of gotten along. First thing he does is look at me and he frowns. And he gets th this look comes over his face. Remember how I told you I, I feel like I just give off this vibe that people instantly don't like me? All right, well, it's him and his counterpart from another company. The other guy, he's just kind of dismissive. I mean, he's just like, he didn't even want to be there. But if you were in the city that I live in and work in, and you had to fly in from anywhere else, you wouldn't want to be here either. But... This one guy, let's call him uh, Ray. Okay, so Ray gets this brownie look on his face. He's, I'm trying to be polite. I'm trying to show him around, you know. We're, we're not in the area where the new project is, but we're going to go over there. They decided they wanted to pop in and, you know, have a look around and introduce themselves. Okay, so the guy's just kind of being dismissive, being condescending, a little passive aggressive. I tolerate it. I try to be outgoing, I try to be polite, I try to be courteous, I try to be respectful and professional. Does it help? Nah. The guy, it's like the guy feeds off of it, you know? It's like the Hulk feeding off of uh, radiation. And, of course, I'm the radiation. So, they leave. All right. I blow off some steam. You know, the sigh, the, all right, what the fuck ever. Well, the next morning I got to meet them at the uh, the new project. I get there, the guy's just oh my god, he's being a, just a, a dick. He's so arrogant and he's so condescending. And it turns out it's not just to me; it's to everybody. Well, we're all sitting in a colleague of mine's office, and uh, he starts talking. Okay, he's a uh, project manager, which is above me, and like I said. He doesn't work for my company. He works for a company that my company works alongside. He says something and he goes, oh my God, I can't believe you're going to talk to your boss that way. I said, my boss? You're not my boss. It's my boss isn't here. He looks at me. He goes, uh, what do you mean I'm not your boss? I said, we don't even work for the same company. He goes, yeah, well, I'm your boss's boss's boss. And, and mind you, there are a lot of guys, you know, local colleagues that I work with 
and in the in the office there's probably eight people there in addition to us well i look at him and i'm like listen just because your company the the actions that you take and taken by your company have an impact on how my company does business i said we don't we're not on the same payroll you are not my boss and you're not my boss's boss i said the ceos for you know big oil you know, their actions immediately impact how your company does business does that make the ceo of exxon your boss and he just kind of looked at me and he started rambling on everybody around me is kind of looking at us and i'm just going mhm mm mhm mm mhm uh huh okay oh yeah mhm mm fully expecting to hear this something from my boss well I, he knew i was i had made my point this is how arrogant he was he kept trying to convince me and everyone else in the room that he was my boss but everybody already saw that he wasn't and i had already put him in his place and he just couldn't let it go so that's why he kept on okay people who are arrogant who think they're better than you man the worst thing you can do to them is take them down a peg the worst thing you can do to them is to not be amazed at their godly shimmering bright aura of administrative excellence that seems to they seem to think exudes from them in all fashions you know it's just coming out of every pore everything they do is you know emmy worthy but he didn't talk to me for the rest of the day which was fine with me and then come to find out the next day he was supposed to be there but that night after work he left went to his hotel packed up his shit and he flew home that's how upset this guy was. That was last Friday. Today is May 3rd. That was last Friday. So that, okay, for one, that felt good. Two, I fully expected to hear something from my boss. Because usually anytime I get in any kind of trouble, it goes up another company's chain of command. It comes right down mine and... Yeah, you guessed that I'm floating on write-ups. I always am, but yeah, I haven't heard anything yet. But anyway, my point is, you try to be nice to people in a personal setting. You know, you're hanging out with friends, You're or if you have friends, you're lucky enough, I don't. I wonder why. But, uh, you know, you try to be nice to people, and it just blows up in your face. Some people won't let you. There are others. I mean, we have a, I have a new junior team member, you know, some would call him a subordinate. I don't like to do that. I don't like, that's a, that's a condescending word. It's a less than terminology and I don't like that. He's a junior team member and, uh, I like him. He's a good guy. He's courteous. He's respectful. And, uh, he's just all around, you know, receptive to my courtesy and giving of courtesy and respect. So, he and I will get along very well. We, we will. And as long as people are, you really don't even have to be that receptive to courtesy. As long as you're just courteous back. I don't know. It's like the world has all of a sudden shoved its head up its own ass. And everybody acts like they were, they were born 
on a mountaintop in a palace and the rest of the world are these, you know, insufferable peons that are to be trod upon. I don't know. But then, you know, that's other people. Don't even get me started on family. Okay. Uh, about a week ago, uh, my daughter, she's about to turn 17. She's very moody, very dramatic, as teenage girls can be. Well, we all got into it. It was, it was an unhealthy, very loud situation, right? My daughter got upset, and after the argument that involved me, her, and her mother, she decided it would be a good idea after, you know, telling us to fuck off and stuff like that to steal her mom's car. Stole her mom's car, took off for a few hours, came back. Part of the problem is that her mother and I disagree on parenting, on punishment. I believe there should be consequences for her actions. Her mother thinks that a good talking to solves everything, regardless of the level of the offense. I grew up getting my ass handed to me by my dad, right? There were there was no talking to. There was knocking down, and it worked, you know, but, and so there was a week of, after that, there was a week of everyone ignoring each other, and and then them two getting together and ignoring me, so because I stood up and tried to provide punishment and what I consider, you know, good parenting, you know, I was the bad guy. I'm always the bad guy. When you're the man or the husband or the dad, you're always going to be wrong. Regardless, part of your job, if you're a man, is to absorb blame. It is to absorb venting. It is to absorb anger. Many times when your wife, your, and I'm speaking about men here, whether you're married to a woman, whether you're married to a man, as a man, your job, if you are the male in the relationship, if you are the masculine of the two, your job is to accept fault. Your job is to say, you're right, I'm wrong. Your job is to apologize and appease. A lot of guys are probably listening to this and saying, <clears throat> and this goes for the masculine of uh, lesbian relationships as well. You know this. I don't discriminate. The The gender role fits all people who feel the masculine role in the relationship, regardless of your gender. Your job is to be wrong. Okay? And if you've been in any kind of long-term relationship, you know that I'm right. People will say, no, relationships are supposed to be a partnership. They're supposed to be equal. There's, each person is supposed to give 50% and be the yin to their yang. You know, the, the, the daylight to their darkness. It doesn't work like that. In Disney, in Hallmark movies, Lifetime movies, maybe it works like that. In real life, someone has to be wrong and someone has to be right. And unfortunately, when it's the other way around and it's the feminine's job to accept blame and fault 
that usually ends up being some sort of domestic violence type situation where the female or the feminine of the two, be it a man, be it a woman, will receive, be on the receiving end of physical violence, if not, you know, verbal abuse. And I can tell you right now, I grew up, well, I told you guys in the last episode, my mom left when I was five, right? She took my sister's. 100% true. What I didn't tell you is why she left. My dad used to beat my mother. Not just beat her, but, I mean, beat her. This This is the late 70s, right? She left in 1980 when I was five. This is the late 70s. My dad, this is how vindictive and cruel he was. He would call me in from playing outside. He would make me go in my room and put on my little cowboy boots. Then he would back my mother into a corner in the kitchen, up in the corner where the cabinets are, where she couldn't move, and he would hold her there and make me kick her in the legs with my boots. Okay. I have a passion, a purple, flaming passion against men who hit women. I it's one of those rare things that can make me lose control on the spot. So if you're one of those guys out there who makes himself feel better, who thinks it makes him a real man to slap his woman down, to call her a slut or a bitch or a whore and And throw her on the ground and and hit her like she's a grown man. I'll tell you what. Eventually, someone like me is going to find out about it. And we're going to stomp your fucking teeth out of your head. So maybe think twice before you do that again. Huh? Because all it's going to take is for me to even hear something like that. And I will come after you. Okay. Enough of that. I'm starting. I see I started focusing on thinking about. What my dad was doing to my mom and then make, made me do when I was like four years old. And it, it's, in case you haven't noticed, trigger. Yeah, that's definitely a trigger. But anyway, it is never okay to be in that type of situation where you're going to put your hands on people. It, it, it happens. You know, but it, there are instances of people losing control and it happens occasionally i'm not saying it's okay to occasionally beat your wife i'm just saying there are times in our lives where we lose control but if you learn from that experience and you stop it you don't do it again consider it a win because you learned from that failure and failure is the greatest gift we we could ever be given because that's how we learn. That's how we become who we are, is by learning from a series of failures throughout our lives. When you're a kid and you touch the stove and it burns your finger, that's a failure. But guess what? It taught you a valuable lesson. 
you're not going to stick your fingers on that again. Because why? It's going to burn you. So that was worth the failure. That failure was a teachable moment, as are they all. Some people, you go out, you get a DUI. Okay, it costs you your job. It costs you six months of your driver's license. You know what? Valuable, mo valuable moment. Why? Because it may seem like a dark spot in your life, and it is. But you learn from it and you don't do it again. Guess what? You're not out there that second time, only this time you're drunk driving and you hit some kid riding his bicycle or you hit some family on their way to dinner. So that first DUI was actually a gift. It's all in how you look at it, as is life. Reality, it's all a matter of perspective. People, they just suck. Because regardless of how you look at them, that's not what really matters because what immediately affects you is how they look at you. And sometimes, no matter what you do, there's no way to change that. You may want to punch them in the face. You may want to run away. But a lot of that always just makes things worse. You know, like I told you guys last time, I was bullied a lot growing up. And I still feel like I'm bullied now. You ever wonder... Other introverts like myself, you ever wonder how much of it is actually other people? How much of it is in your head? I do. You know, are these people really thinking these things? Because that's what I think. I, I, they, people don't usually come out and say negative things to me. It's like I make this internal assumption that they don't like me. Maybe they do. But I'm just a master at convincing myself that they don't. I don't know. That's something to think about. Because surely everyone that we meet can't hate us. Can they? I know the world's an unhappy place. But I don't know. Um, oh, I did uh, create an email. If anybody wants to, uh, wants to talk or you have any questions for me. It is olonelybob at gmail.com. That is O-H-L-O-N, you know, olonelybob, I mean, at gmail. So, I don't really have too much to say beyond what I've already talked about. It's, it's, it's been an extremely stressful few days. Oh, yeah, uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned, but I am going to school for my master's in, uh, I uh, turned in my final assignment for the program today. Kind of concerned about it. My professor, she's a real piece of work. I mean, she's just, you want to talk about arrogant and obsessed with themselves, self-righteous. I mean, geez, Louise. This chick is just something else. But, uh... I've been going to school for the last 10 years, eight of the last 10 years. I got my associates, took a gap year, got my bachelor's, took a gap year, and here I am. And I am so burned out. And then I have the weight of an entire family on my shoulders. I pay for everything, of course. I believe in traditional gender roles in my family. And so, you know, as the man, as a southern man, 
I feel that it is my job to pay for everything. You know, the house, the vehicles, the insurance, the bills, the food, the clothes, the iPads, iPhones, all that good shit. Sometimes I feel unappreciated. Sometimes I feel taken for granted. Uh, Why do I keep doing it? Because it's my job. It's my duty as a man, as a husband, as a father. You know, here's a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret about family. You don't have to always like them. They don't have to always like you. You don't have to like your kids. You don't have to like your spouse. But you love them. You always love them. And that right there, if you love somebody, it doesn't matter how angry you are at each other, how much you dislike one another. If you truly love someone, you will always be there for them. You will always take care of them. And when I got married, I made a vow. And when I became a parent, that was a pact with God. Now, whether you believe in God or not, that's up to you. But that was my pact with God as a father. It's my job. I created these children. I helped create them anyway. And although sometimes would I like to pull a Ralph Cramden and to the moon, Alice, you're goddamn right I would. Oh, my God. There are some times that my kids are so goddamn lucky that I'm not my dad. Because there would be some shit going down. (laughs) But I don't know. I'm interested to hear what everybody else has to say. I hope somebody emails me. Like I said, this never I never planned for this to really turn into anything, a podcast or whatever you want to call it. This is really just me venting, just getting it out there, hoping that, you know, there are other people like me out there who are alone, have no one to talk to, you know, that that want to know that there is someone else out there that shares their pain, that's going through the same shit, that feels just as unappreciated and unloved as they do. If that's you, I'm here. If you're going through it, chances are I have. If you're not going through it, good for you. I hope you don't. Because it fucking sucks. We just lost Naomi Judd of the Judds. She committed suicide the day before she was to be inducted into the Country Music Hall of Fame. Now... I saw the interview she did with Robin Roberts in 2016, and she discusses, I mean, blatantly discusses how she would be dressed up in her rhinestones up on stage, and that was her when she was on stage. But when she came off stage and she came home, the depression became overwhelming to the point that she would climb into her pajamas and lay on her couch for three weeks ignoring hygiene, everything else. She basically said, I would not bathe for weeks and lay on my couch in complete depression. And she said that it was, it was, she was diagnosed as, um, with severe treatment resistant depression. And there have been times, um, my wife and I split up for eight months, uh, about over a year ago, two years ago, something like that. And, For the first six months, I did not leave the house except to go to work. 
I stayed in this house completely alone. And it's it's a big house. Um, it was to the point where I was considering suicide. I was so lonely. I mean, so lonely. And, you know, it's kind of a vicious cycle because when you're alone for so long, so many years, people who were your friends or who were interested in being your friends at one point in time have given up on you a long time ago and, and don't even come around or call anymore. You know, there's a lot of people out there who people have tried to contact you, but it was annoying at the time, so they just gave up. So it's to the point where no one contacts you. And when people you're close to, like your spouse or your partner, leave, well, then there's no one. No one to fall back on. No one to talk to. No one to say, how was your day? No one to tell you to take out the trash. No one to ask if you have any laundry that needs to be done. No one to uh, tell you not to forget to brush your teeth, you know, all those little things. And it's rough. If you're alone and you're sitting out there right now, if you're sitting in your car in the parking lot, or if you're sitting in your car driving on your way to work, and you're dreading it because you know there's not going to be anyone there when you get home. Or if you're sitting in your house right now or your bedroom and you just want someone to talk to. You're thinking about suicide. You're, you're depressed. Please call somebody. Please call someone. Email me at ownlonelybob at gmail.com and I will check it right away. I will... Uh, if, if there's someone desperate to talk to, I will contact you if that's what I need to do because I know what it's like to hurt and I know what it's like for no one to care. So I just want to tell you, hey, I care. I don't know you. You don't know me. But we don't have to know each other for someone to care about you. I just wish, you know, that someone would have been there to say that for me. Or I wish, really wish there would have been someone there to say it for Naomi Judd. Because can you imagine how much she had to have been hurting knowing that the next day she was supposed to meet both of her daughters and go up in front of the rest of the world and to choose to take her own life knowing what it would do to her daughters. It hurt her more to live than it did to break her daughter's hearts and she was close with them so that ought to tell you that her you know what her level of pain really was that breaking her daughter's hearts and, and, and disappointing the country and western music world was a lesser pain than simply living another day that's unbelievable. That's infinite levels of pain. And I'm just so sad that of all the treatments out there that she, she wasn't able to find what it was that she needed to find. But, you know, it's a little late for that, I guess. It doesn't change anything, but I don't know. I think of all the abuse that I've suffered in my life, 
through all these decades of loneliness and awkwardness and betrayal and everything else, if anything, even though I still firmly believe people suck, and it's pushed me into drastic introversion, I think it's made me care about people more because I know what it's like to be on the other end of that. It's just pain, and it's just loneliness, and I don't want that for anyone. I'm starting to go down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I'm not trying to <laughs> Dr. Phil anyone or, uh, you know, I'm not really trying to expose my soul at that level, I guess, right now. So I hope that somebody emails me, even if it's just to tell me, hey, man, hey, Bob, you suck. Your podcast sucks or your little show sucks or whatever you want to call it. It sucks. You suck. Give it up. Because <laughs> at least I'll know someone's listening, right? So, all right, guys. Uh, I'll try to get on again soon. I have some more stuff I want to tell you, but it's getting kind of late. And uh, Believe it or not, tomorrow, May 4th, is my birthday. So I don't usually give that information out to people, but this is between you and me. So uh, let's just keep that a little secret. <laughs> but uh, I'm trying to get to bed. It's uh, it's almost 10 o'clock at night, and I need to uh, I need to put my mind to rest. I've had a long week, and it's going to be an even longer week. So as I get older, I found that sleep is a really good escape. So I'm going to go ahead and. Give me a double helping of that, okay? So, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. I'm sorry if I depressed you and made you feel worse. If I made you feel any better, I'm glad. I'll see you next time. Like I said, I'll try to be back uh, probably middle of next week, maybe around the, uh, the 8th or the 10th, right in there somewhere. So uh, this is Lonely Bob, America's Favorite Loser. You're, you're listening to People Suck, an introvert's guide to life. And uh, I'll see you guys later. Bye.